Amen. All right. Again, we are in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We see John introducing us to the Word, the light, the life of men. Um, We see uh, the Word becoming flesh. We see the fullness of the glory, grace, and truth being in the man, uh, Jesus Christ. As he's mentioned in verse 17. Uh, There are several different things that we saw about this light. uh, That it shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it, did not grasp it. We see that it came into the world to give light to every man. Uh, And we reflected on the concept of of the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And then in verses... Uh, verses 12 and 13, that as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Uh, we're going to be looking at how that's applied. What does it look like to receive the word, to receive Jesus? It's more than just acknowledging who he is. It means following him. And what does that necessarily uh, look like? Uh, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared. And we're going to see what he has declared so that we can know him better. Envision yourself being a first century Jew reading this introduction. There would be some very jarring thoughts If you were a first century Jew, talking about this word that existed in the beginning, being the glory of God, tabernacling with man in the flesh, how there is a greater grace than what was offered in the old law, um, and uh, that becoming a child of God is possible, not being born of blood, though. Those are some things that sort of stand out as to what uh, a first century Jew might have uh, shaken, been shaken by uh, in that. So, our goal is to get through the rest of the chapter. So there's, a, there's several verses for us to go through. Um, I've asked Mike to uh, read, just go ahead and read through 19 through 51. And then we're going to break down section by section uh, some of the key thoughts. Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you were not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me. 
whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptized. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two, two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you see? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher was translated, Teacher, where are you standing? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was standing and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated to Stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe me? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. <coughs> Thank you. All right, so there is a lot to unpack in here, so we're going to do sort of chunk by chunk. We're going to sort of stick to sort of our general questions for us to reflect on. In verses 19 through 28, we see the first part of uh, John the Baptist. Uh, in the Gospel of John, he's just referred to as John. Uh, we see his ministry, and we see some people coming to him, and we see some interaction uh, between them. What stands out to you in this section? Uh, things that uh, you, may, you might not have noticed in the past. The first ones to question him were these... Fellas sent from the Pharisees. 
Yeah, we see in in verse 19 uh, that uh, Jews uh, sent priests and Levites to sort of ask him questions. It's not necessarily an interrogation, but you see them keep asking questions, trying to figure out who is he, trying to figure out uh, who he is. Interesting that John the Baptist himself was a son of a priest, wasn't he? So uh, how does he respond whenever he's asked, who are you? Yeah, my interesting in verse 20 when he said he confessed. He didn't deny that he confessed. In other words, he didn't deny, he didn't say, I'm not the Christ. Or, I mean, he, didn't. he said, I am not the Christ. He didn't deny who he was or you know, anything that they were basically asking him, are you this person at this point? But he confessed at the very beginning, I am not the Christ. Uh, but he did not give them his name, which was interesting. They had to keep asking him, then are you this, and then are you this, and are you... No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, his answer, that it starts off... It doesn't just say, he said this. He confessed. He was up front. He didn't beat around the bush. He stood for what he was going to say. And his answer is not who he is, but who he is not. And not the Christ. So he doesn't say, hey, I'm... <laughs> I am John the Baptist. I, I am son of a priest. Uh, you need to listen to my message. He brings no attention to himself in any of this. He really he tries to avoid talking about himself. Um, what else? Yes. Well, he doesn't answer them who he is, but he does give his role to them. Very good. Yeah, we see that he explains his role in verse 23, referencing uh, referencing Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He identifies himself by his role and not a role that he picked himself, but a role that God designed him for. Do we identify like that? If somebody asked, who are you, how would you answer? Would you answer saying, I'm Micah, or I am fill in the blank? Or would you say, let me tell you about this man, this Jesus, this Christ, who's going to, uh, who is coming. He sees himself as the uh, role that God has given him. Do we have our own agendas, or do we see ourselves as fulfilling God's Will. What, what else stands out to you in this? Yes, Don. I noticed a little bit of the identification. Just the fact that he says that he's not Elijah, but Jesus says that he can stand and he is Elijah, and he comes with the power of Elijah. Why is he not saying Elijah? Good question. Uh, they ask him if you are, are you Elijah? He says, I'm not. Yet, whenever we see uh, elsewhere Jesus referring to him as the Elijah who was to come, what what do we make of of that? Bob? Some translations may use in the spirit of Elijah, and that was the one who was to 
he come before the Christ, the one in the spirit of Elijah. He wasn't Elijah, but he was like Elijah in what he was to do. And so uh, he didn't, even though he played in the Lord's part, and Jesus raised him up on the pedestal uh, later, and, but that wasn't his purpose. He had one purpose, and that was to point to Jesus. Exactly. That uh, they had legitimate questioning as to whether he was Elijah. Uh, Elijah never died uh, a, a natural, normal death. Uh, we see at the end of Malachi, Malachi four and verse five, that Elijah would come during the the great day uh, of the Lord, uh, and the fact that. John looks, acts, and talks like Elijah. And just the, if you look at his demeanor uh, at, in his ministry. Very good. Per- Perhaps, yeah, the, the fact that he's not a reincarnate uh, of Elijah. And perhaps if he was, uh, if he did say, yeah, I'm just like Elijah, perhaps people would pay too much attention to him. He is signaling everybody to this, uh, this Christ who is to come. Absolutely. He, his answers just get gradually shorter and shorter and shorter because it's not about him. They're very humble. And, and imagine if you if you are given the task that you are to introduce everybody to the coming Messiah, you might be tempted to get a big head about it. But he he humiliates himself uh, in that. Bob? I'm curious about uh, your studies and who you think they're referencing when they ask about the prophets. Okay, uh, in verse 21, uh, after at being asked, are you Elijah, are you the prophet, uh, there, were, there were different prophecies that uh, the Jews recognized as the coming Messiah. We see uh, some, uh, as far as the line of David com- uh, coming, is one uh, from that line that would be their coming king. And then if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 18, that seems to be where a lot of uh, the questioning might have come from, verses 18 through about 20, uh, that there is going to be a prophet much like Moses uh, that was going to come from among them who was going to uh, reveal God's, God's will. So that's, that's what I understood. If you look uh, in Deuteronomy 18, that's about they did not understand that the Christ and the prophet were Exactly. Yeah, that, that's something that they had that they didn't quite grasp. 
Uh, let's see. In anything else stand out to you, say through uh, verse twenty-eight, or we might go ahead and, and add verses twenty-nine through thirty-four. Uh, twenty-nine through thirty-four, we actually see uh, Jesus come on the scene and him, and John the Baptist uh, identifying him. What stands out to you in? He doesn't give him an answer with that, but what does he do? He points to Jesus. Very good. He, uh, whenever they ask about the authority or the rationale behind him uh, baptizing, he doesn't give a straightforward answer. We're going to see Jesus of Nazareth do sort of the same thing. When people start asking him questions, he won't necessarily give them the answers that they're looking for. Uh, and then there will be other times that he clearly states his purpose and who he is, uh, and they're not going to fully understand and still be puzzled by by what he has to say. Um, essentially, uh, John's response is whenever, why, why are you baptizing? Uh, he says... Uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Here, somebody's coming, and you need to pay attention to him. Don't don't worry about what I'm doing. I'm doing the will of the Father, and we're going to see more about uh, why he does that. Yes, Lloyd. I think it's interesting that he grabs me that the Pharisees have sent them, and they're asking, "Are you the prophet? Why are you And that points us back to verse 14 with the word becoming flesh and dwelt among us, right? Just that, yes, uh, Brad. Yeah, I was just going to further Tony's uh, observation about John being humble. He he humbles himself even further, saying that he's not the Messiah, he's not Elijah, he's not the the prophet, um, and... He says, the one that comes after me, um, what the ESV reads, is the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Which would have been like your servant's role um, if you were wealthy enough to have an, to have a uh, property with servants that serve you. That would be their role. This You would come in and they would untie your shoes and then wash your feet for you. And... John here is saying, I'm not even worthy to be this man's servant. Um, so you see how humble he really, the, the, John, uh, the author John portrays John the Baptist. Absolutely, just how uh, he is below a servant's role, reigning in the world.
Yeah, I had a couple of notes on, on that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, if you didn't hear what you said, that that John uh, appears to be important, at least in the eyes of God, that he needed somebody to prepare the people's hearts. And that's what he's doing. He's preparing the people's hearts for the coming Messiah. And one of the things that he, that he does is this baptism. Um, we don't really read a lot about... Immersion in the, the old law. I mean, uh, I don't know whether or not they were expecting the Messiah to be baptizing. Other than Naaman, the story of the, Naaman the leper, we don't really see that. First um, Corinthians chapter 10 refers to the Red Sea crossing as a type of immersion, uh, of cleansing the people. Um, and according to uh, commentaries and historians, this seems to be very innovative for John the Baptist in the fact that they did have ritual purification processes and cleansings. Uh, baptizing was sort of a part of the process of uh, proselytizing. But those tended to be self-administered, that people would cleanse themselves, whereas with John, people are submitting themselves and being passive in this act. Whenever of the of the acts of salvation, as we sometimes refer to them, most of them are us doing the action of hearing and believing and repenting and confessing. But baptism is a passive thing that we are submitting ourselves in. So, um, just interesting thoughts uh, on. On that. Very good. Anything in verses? Uh, yes, Tom. So here's a section when uh, Jesus comes down. Yeah. 
Yeah, that verse 32 and following uh, is, is sort of a flashback, if you will, of, of the uh, baptism scene that we see in the other Gospels. Uh, yeah, very good. Other thoughts on, on that before we get into the, the last part? Yes. Well, John doesn't deal with Jesus' baptism, and, and so that's why we may think it's out of chronological order, but in his narrative, it's not. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that uh, his statement about uh, uh, after he meets a man who reigns before me because he blessed before me, John's older than Jesus, physically. But John recognized Jesus when he was six months in the womb. And, and so there, there's you know, something miraculous is happening. Jesus existed before and comes after. And he understood more than I think we're thinking about. Yeah. Uh, the, the statement that uh, I did not know him is I'm not currently following him and learning about him. Uh, you know, Jesus said he was John Flynn. He was from God. So John's getting a lot of revelation, I believe. And so he is, you know, pointing to Jesus as, as the Son of God. And that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, if you didn't catch, uh, all of that, that, uh, He's, he's referencing a prior event. If you look more at the ministry of, of John the Baptist as they, as they interact with, uh, one another, that he is, that Jesus came after, 
but was before. And that goes back to in the beginning was the word, just as we as we uh, see in John 1 1. Um, very good. Um, a couple of things to uh, to maybe take note uh, from verses from verse 29 through the end of the chapter. We see different names given to this man. Uh, we've already referred to him as uh, the word uh, life, the light of men and things like that in verse uh, 29. What's he referred to as? The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Verse 34, we see, uh, I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Now, with some of these things, I I would agree with uh, what Bob said, that we don't understand everything that John the Baptist understood. But to an extent, I don't necessarily know if... John the Baptist understood everything that he was saying. I mean, whenever you think, if you were a first century Jew, thinking of a Messiah, you thought of this conquering king that was going to get rid of Rome. You didn't necessarily think of a sacrifice uh, that was that was coming. And even later on, if, if we look at some of the other Gospels, we see some questions arise in the heart of John the Baptist as to whether what Jesus is doing in all of this. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Um, if, if you're, if you had the question of why is Jesus being baptized, we see, uh, John the Baptist, uh, uh, with his baptism for repentance, but, uh, and, and for forgiveness but there are a couple of things since Jesus didn't did not sin. We see in verses 32 and following, God said to him, the person uh, the person on whom the spirit descends on, that's the one who is the holy one uh, of God. And so this baptism seems to have a different purpose. It's for the reception of the Holy Spirit. And it's also a, a confirmation to at least John the Baptist that this is the one. This is uh, the Holy One of Israel. All right. Yes, Raymond, and then we're going to need to get into the, the rest of the chapter. One, one other comment I, I wanted to make before we get into this. Yeah, just um, the lamb taking away the sin of the world uh, with that flood language. We, we talked in our last class about the world. It's not the sin of the Jews. This is very inclusive. If we look back in verses 12 and 13, that anybody has the ability to receive Jesus. Um, in 
uh, in chapter 4, whenever we start seeing the interaction with the Samaritan woman, we're going to see that it, it's not going to matter where people worship. It's going to be anybody who worships in spirit and in truth. So, very good. Let's now see the next day in verse 35. And we're going to see a couple of more days in the early ministry of of Jesus. Uh, some of his first disciples. Uh, we see, uh, again, John saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And then we see what the, these disciples of John end up doing. What stands out to you, at least in, in this section? We'll, we'll do at least 37 through uh, 42. It seems to be one uh, account and then a different story in 43 to the end. Yeah. They were listening to John when he said, There's only one coming after me that is much, much greater. John pointing to the Lamb of God. They took it, okay, that's who you need to follow. And they did immediately. So they had actually been listening and paying attention, um, whereas some of the others may not, may not have. Um, we don't see that the Jews or the priests and the Levites, that they stick around or that they are at least mentioned in this account as, as doing that. Okay. Um, what else? In verse uh, 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Uh, Jesus turned, seeing them following, said, said to them, what do you seek? Uh, these are, in John's gospel, his first recorded words. They're pretty important words. It's an important question. What are you seeking? What do you seek? Uh, and what's their reply? Where are you staying? Yeah, where, are you, where are you staying? Why would they be asking that? Well, actually, the first response was rabbi. Okay. They recognized him as a, what you would consider a master teacher. Okay. And they haven't heard him yet. Uh, and that help comes from John. So they call him a rabbi, a master teacher, and then, uh, then they ask, where are you staying? Which indicates, we're seeking you. We are here to follow you in answer to Jesus' question. Okay, yeah, um... We see a, a third name uh, given to this man. If you, if you want to mark them uh, or write them down, I'll, I'll just go ahead now and go through those. Uh, again, verse 29, uh, the Lamb of God. Verse 34, the Son of God. Uh, verse 38, Rabbi, which is uh, teacher. Uh, we see in verse... Uh, 41, we found the Messiah, the Christ, um, as another name given to him. In verse 45, him of whom Moses in the law, the prophets wrote, this Jesus of Nazareth, his actual 
name and origin. Uh, in verse 49, Nathanael's claim, uh, he uses rabbi, son of God, and then also king of Israel. Uh, and then in verse uh, verse 51, he self-identifies as the son of man. And we, and we can get into a lot of those. But to uh, touch on the last part of uh, Bob's answer that... That he identify, they identify him as a master teacher, as rabbi, and they want to know where are you staying. I don't think they necessarily know what they're looking for, but they want to know where Jesus is staying because they want to go with him because they recognize something special about him and that he would give them whatever they need. They may not know what that need is, but they know that it's going to be with Jesus. So they want to follow him. Yes, Raymond. Uh, his response uh, to, to go uh, with uh, with what Raymond said that uh, they they would want to follow him wherever he goes, and we're going to see where Jesus ends up with the cross at the end of the story. Jesus's answer to their question is, "Come and see." He doesn't say where he's staying. He just says, come and see. Um, we, uh, we see a similar uh, response uh, or a similar message or command that God gives Abram where God told, tells him, get up and leave and come to a place that I'm going to show you that you will see. He doesn't necessarily say where that's going to be, but God commands that of, of Abram. And we see Jesus here saying the same to these, to these disciples. Very good. Uh, anything, anything else? Yes, Tony. A couple of good points uh, that Tony brings brings up. Andrew uh, ends up bringing his brother um, again. 
what he says, we have found the Messiah. Uh, the priests and Levites previously hadn't come across the Messiah yet, but they have these kinds of questions and interrogations and confusion going on there. But once Andrew finds out, he makes a, a bold statement and proclaims it. He, he, the power of the statement, he first found his own brother, Simon. He didn't wait years for him to follow him and, and understand everything and then take classes on evangelism and figure out well, what's the best way to talk to somebody about following this man, Jesus. He just, he goes and he tells him. He tells him. I think, I think the, the power of the word, the power of Jesus, um, we see a very basic but profound lesson on what evangel- evangelism looks like. We see John telling Andrew. We see Andrew telling uh, telling Simon. Um, to touch on the the other point that you made, I I, I love what Philip does uh, in verses forty three and following. I, I'm not so sure if Philip is that second person because Jesus speaks to him in verse 43 and says, follow me. And then he does that. I've heard um, several point to uh, the fact that it may be John himself who is that second one. If you look in verse 39, there's not much of a reason as to why it mentions it was about the 10th hour. But it was an important enough event in John's life that he might even remember the exact time of day when that happened. Uh, I know that that's how I am with certain events in my life. If I know when when it happened, where I was, and things like that. But uh, yes, very good. I don't want to gloss over, but I find it powerful uh, in verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. And said, you're Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas or Peter, a stone. Uh, we see uh, this, this Simon uh, getting his name changed. And we see that happening throughout the Old Testament of, of several key characters having a name change of something significant. And we see that Jesus renames him. Because he's going to do something with him and do something through him. And uh, he's going to be a rock, as it were. Very good. Um, let's talk in the last couple of minutes, verses 43 through 51. We see this interaction of, uh, of Philip with Jesus. Uh, Follow me is what Jesus says. They're going to Bethsaida. And Philip finds Nathaniel very similar to what Andrew was doing. And he says, uh, we found him who's been prophesied, this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What do you make of what happens next? Come and see. I, I thought that was stood out. But um, 
Nathaniel is, first of all, negative. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, whether that's a derogatory statement about Nazareth or the fact that no scripture points to Nazareth, really. So how could that be where he's coming from? Okay, yeah, the, the, uh, we see uh, the invitation that Philip gives to Nathaniel, very similar uh, uh, to what Jesus uh, says in verse 39. Uh, we see it, that phrase being used in several other places in this, in this book. In 429, the Samaritan woman from the well tells the people from her town, come see this man who's told me everything I've ever done. We see uh, with the tomb of Lazarus that, uh, that Mary says, come and see uh, where, where Lazarus is laid. As far as Nathaniel's response, um, he does seem to be skeptical. Uh, there, apparently, Nazareth wasn't a, a prominent place. Um, and he... I can at least admire that he... Uh, he at least questions. He wants to. He want. He doesn't want to follow blindly. He wants to examine and see for himself. Uh, but once he has this interaction with uh, with the Christ, once that happens, there's no more question. There's no more doubting. He he is firm in what he believes. Uh, we we see here. Uh, in verse 48, before Philip called you, uh, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. And he says, you are the rabbi, son of God, king of Israel. We see uh, that there's no uh, shaking of his determination, his conclusion in that. Yeah. You know, when we would say something, behold, an Israelite in whom is going to see somebody would think, oh, we're just flattering them and bothering them up. But there must have been something in the way that Jesus said it that really cut to his bone that he knew this man knows me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, Jesus saying something meant something. Yeah, uh, interesting that the, the history of Israel was uh, started with a deceiver of Jacob. Uh, and yet this... This true Israelite, uh, Jesus truly knows him. Uh, touching on the last couple of verses, uh, Jesus says, Wow, you, you're following me based on very small amount of evidence. Uh, you're going to see greater things than these. Uh, you're going to see the uh, heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Uh, we see, uh, at least I, I'm reminded of the story in Genesis 28 of Jacob's ladder uh, with uh, this great connection between God and man. Jesus is a type of Bethel, because uh, Bethel means the, the house of God, and this is where God is dwelling among men uh, in Jesus. <coughs> Uh, Jesus is the conduit between man and God. He brings God to us to dwell among us, and he takes us before the Father uh, in, a, in a way. And we see here again that um, 
this son of man, and we're going to see, we're going to have plenty of time to unpack what that means uh, in our future lessons. Uh, the, the heavens are going to be open. Hopefully, I, uh, part of the assignment was for you to look at uh, 1 through 18, and again, 20, verses 30 and 31. John wrote these things so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. What does believing in him, what does receiving him look like? Following him? Staying with him wherever he goes and, and recognizing him for who he is. So, uh, thank you all for your comments and we will be picking up in chapter two, uh, on Sunday with Brad. Thank you all for your participation.